Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Let's clap our hands and praise Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. John chapter 14, reading with verse 1. Welcome to Wednesday night Bible study. So glad that you are here tonight. John 14, verse 1. I'm sure you've worked hard today, as all of you do consistently. We have a hard-working group of people. But I pray tonight you find rest in the presence of the Lord and strength. Amen. You know, uh, Wednesday night Bible studies are a blessing to the body. Being able to come back to the house of God. And for the Zion Gators, I'll never forget... um, new convert that came to the Lord and man they were filled with the Holy Ghost after being baptized and they said when's when's the next church service is it tomorrow night I said no it's Wednesday I have to wait that long to come back to church we ought to all feel that way amen amen been at the house of God I was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the Lord. What a privilege it is. Why don't we thank him for his house? Amen. Let's thank him for his house. Those watching a lot tonight, we pray you're blessed by the word of the Lord. John 14 to 1, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. I, I do believe this place called the Father's house is talking about heaven. And I do believe he's going to come back for us. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. I want to continue, this is the third week, talking about biblical parallels. Biblical parallels. Jesus Jesus taught in parables or parallels, stories that would allow us to understand the kingdom of God. I mean, you can't see the kingdom of God. The The church is not the building. The building is what holds the people of God. Or the church, it's where the church meets. Can you say amen? What is the kingdom? The Bible says that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's what? It's righteousness, it's peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Everybody say the kingdom. How many know Jesus is the king of this kingdom? Praise God. In Matthew 22, to understand the coming of the Lord, to understand um, our relationship with God, he, he teaches us in parables, or I would call a parallel. And what I've been doing is teaching and talking about the Old Testament is what they had to compare to the kingdom of God now from physical uh, experiences that happened in the Old Testament, such as coming through the Red Sea is like us what? Coming through the water and being washed in the 
blood and having our past washed away in baptism. Tonight, our relationship with the Lord, Jesus teaches us in Matthew 22, in verse one, it says, and Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son, sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants saying, tell them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed and all things are ready. Come under the marriage. He sent out an invitation to come to this wedding. There is gonna be a marriage. I do believe that's gonna be the rapture is when we are joined as a bride to the groom. Do you believe that? And he talks about in the parable an invitation coming to this, this wedding or this union between his son, this union between the son and the bride. And so uh, look what happened. It says, but they made light of it. Those that were invited uh, made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth or he was angry. And it says, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready. Everybody say it's ready. But they which were bidden were not worthy. They, those that had been invited didn't really want to go. They had things to attend to. They had a farm to take care of. They, you know how we are. We've got a house to maintain. We've got a car to take care of. But he said in verse nine, go ye therefore into the highways and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. Anybody that you can find, invite them to the wedding. It had been extended to family, but now it's extended to anybody. This is a parallel of, of, of he came to the Jew first. He came into his own, John 1 and 10. He came into his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. This is Jesus teaching that he came to the Jews and would come to the Jews, but they had rejected him. But now there's no wall of partition between the Jew and the Greek and the bond and the free, Ephesians 2. Now the invitation has been made to everybody. Every creed, every language, every person under the earth has now been invited to this marriage. Aren't you glad you've been invited to the wedding? Anybody can go now. Everybody's been invited. Look at your neighbor and say, you've been invited. Power of an invitation. You've been invited to this wedding, this glory. You've never seen a wedding like it. The royals have never seen a wedding like this one. Oh, he's coming back. When he comes back, he's gonna come out of heaven on an eastern sky in a cloud and he's gonna descend from heaven with a shout. The angels are gonna be sounding the trumpet He's returning, it's, it's gonna be a, it's an invitation, but now he's coming. And so when you just, just pause right here for a minute and understand that the marriage, the marriage is ready and you've been invited to come to this, when you look in, the, in, in, in Jewish custom, the way they would have a wedding type of deal is that, is that 
when you were espoused or you were engaged that the groom has chosen you to be his bride, he would tell you, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. That's right. I mean, it's biblical precedence is that the man provides for the wife to be. I mean, no jobs are important. Oh, every, every, every person in the building ought to say amen. And it was the man's job to prepare. And that's right. Before God gave Adam a wife, he gave him a job. Look at your neighbor and say, you know, he's preaching good right now. Amen. All you ladies need to marry somebody who wants to work. That's exactly right. Praise God. And when you, you, you look at, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. He said, if I go to prepare in, in my father's house, there's many mansions, many rooms. I'm preparing a place for you and I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. I'm going away, but I'm not going away forever. I'm going away to prepare something for you and I'm coming back to receive you. They tell me is that when he would return, he would return with a great party and in that party there would be trumpets and noise and you could hear the groom coming for his bride before he ever got there. There was no World Wide Web. There, was no, there were no cell phones. Uh, there, there was no uh, uh, phones at all. You didn't know when he was coming. But he said, when I've got it prepared, when the time is right, then I'll come. She had to stay ready. It's like that now. We don't know. We don't know when he's coming, but we know he said he's coming. He's coming. How many know he's coming? And we're closer now than ever before. I don't want to be caught by surprise. I don't want to be caught dirty. I don't want to be caught nonchalant. I don't want to be caught not looking for him. He said, go stand on the housetop in another parable. Stand on the housetop. Put your hand over your eye. Look toward the eastern sky. Don't come down. He said, because it's coming. What he was saying was, we should never live a day that we're not looking for him to return. We're not just looking to be saved from hell. We're looking to be united to the one we're in love with. Simon Peter said, I love him in whom I have not seen. What you got to understand, I'm not in this because of religiosity. I love God. I want to please him. I want him to be pleased with me. Amen. Somebody shout, get ready. So he would return and the trumpets would be sounding and the music would be, you could have heard him coming before he got there. I know it's going to be in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. I realize the Bible says that among we shall be changed from this vow body unto a body likened to his glorious body. I understand that. But the, let me tell you something. Here's a question. Who's going to hear him coming? Those that are ready. I do believe there's a certain sound of scripture. The Bible talks about an uncertain sound. It also talks about a certain sound. I do believe those that are ready are going to hear him. I believe we're going to hear the trumpet sound. I'm not so sure. I don't, I'm not sure that the others in the room that they will not hear it. But I do believe that we will hear it because in the Bible, why would it sound and we not hear it? I believe we're going to, I don't know how fast it's going to be. I know it says in a moment in a twinkling. I don't know if time stands still or we step out of time. I'm not real sure about the details of that. It's hard for me to understand the blinking of an eye. But in a moment, 
just like that, when he decides to come, I believe there's going to be a looking up. There's going to be a sound that gets our attention. And what we've been waiting for, the thing that we've been living for and looking for, amen, we're going to say it's been worth it all. Every church service, every day I've ever tithed, every day I've ever prayed. How many looking forward to the rapture? I want to be ready. I don't know when it's coming, but I know it's coming. Look at your neighbor and say, the Lord is coming. Amen, amen. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Can I tell you tonight that the scripture says, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man, the thing that God has prepared for them that love him. Listen, I'm not in this because I love the church. I'm not in this because I love you, that I love 1365 Chamberlain Street. Listen, listen, I appreciate you, but you're, you're not the reason I'm here. The reason I'm here because years ago, I fell in love with him. He brought me out of darkness. He brought me out of sin. He, he, he came and filled me with his spirit. He's done more for me than I could ever do for him. I couldn't pay him back for everything he's ever done. How many is ready to meet the Lord? Amen, 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 amen. I, I'll never forget being a student at the Golly Bridge High School. We were, we were called the Travelers. And uh, that was the name of the school. After Robert E. Lee's horse, Traveler, mascot was upon the wall. And I'll never forget going there after we had a great revival, great harvest of young people from my school that came out of brokenness and addiction and young men that were robbing houses at night and growing marijuana in their attic under black lights. And here they came to the Lord and the Lord was changing their lives one after another. One student after another, their life was being changed. And I'll never forget going in and one of the teachers pulled me aside because she understood all of these young people were going to the church that my dad pastored. There was, I think, 18 of them that had been filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name out of this, out of this small school. And uh, it, 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 everybody was talking about it. And I'll never forget the teacher pulled me aside and she set me down as they would sometimes and questioned me on what I would believe. And, the, and she said, I don't, I don't understand it. She said, I have been a teacher here for many years and I've seen many young people say that they were saved. She said to watch them return very shortly back to a life that they were living. She said, but something's different about these young people, these students that are going down there and they're getting saved. She said, they stop partying, they stop living the life they're doing. You can see the change, they pick up their grades, they start studying. She said, I, I don't know what it is. And, she, and, and I, I began to talk, matter of fact, one student was so changed, he had been expelled from school and uh, they had let him back in they had let him back in because there was a transformation in his life. They let him back in school, mercy of God. Channel 6 News that represented three states came and interviewed him in the class and says, Scott, what happened to you? I mean, his mother got on her knees, got on his, her knees in front of the school board and asked him, would you please be good? He was troubled. He had went through a lot. You, you, we got to stop judging people that, that do wrong and realize there's a root of the matter. There's a reason they do what they do. 
That's right. There's a reason they do what they do. And, and uh, anyhow, they interviewed him and said, Scott, what happened to you? I mean, this young man cleaned up. This young man became uh, uh, presidential in his, in his walk, in his respect, and how he conducted himself. And just a leader, and everybody knew him. I mean, he was party hardy before this, but there was a change in his life. And they asked, what happened to you? He said, I got the Holy Ghost. I got the Holy Ghost. I still believe the Holy Ghost makes a difference. Come on, do you believe it? I got that Holy Ghost down in my soul, just like the Bible says. Oh, he feels, and the Bible says if that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it's gonna quicken your mortal body. The grave can't hold you. Circumstance can't keep you. The doctor can't bid you farewell without him getting the last word. There's power in the Holy Ghost. It responds. That's why you, that's why when God starts moving, Watch when God starts doing in the city. People that have the spirit will start responding because they can feel no man coming to God except the spirit draws him. Can I say to you, if you're sitting in a church service or if you're at a home somewhere, if, if you're driving down the road and you feel God come over and you feel a tear come in your eye, don't stop it. You respond to that. I don't care if you've been in church 25 years. Never stop responding to the quickening of his spirit. Man, I feel like preaching to you on a Wednesday. The Bible says quench not the spirit. If God motivates you to weep, you ought to weep. If he motivates you to stand on your feet during the preaching, you ought to stand on your feet during the preaching. He motivates you to go to the altar, go to the altar, but be quickened. Don't quench the spirit of God. When God starts moving on people, they try to start doing better, you know. They do. When God starts moving in people's lives, they start trying to do better. They'll, 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 they'll say a word that's not right. They go, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. Before, before them, they just let them all go, you know. But when God starts convicting, they start getting godly sorrow because the Spirit of the Lord's dealing with them. That's right. And then at some point through repentance, they repent of their sins, and they come to the Lord and say, God, I'm here because you're drawing me. I, I just want to be better. I don't want to be the way I've been. That's God drawing you. That's the spirit of the Lord calling you, calling, calling his spirit in you. Then God fills you with his spirit. When you are filled with the spirit of God, the Bible says you become a son of God. How many know that? You start talking in a heavenly language. Jesus taught from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. That's why when the Holy Ghost gets in, the heart starts speaking. Get around, get around somebody five minutes, you can tell what they like. Unless, unless they're real reserved and they gotta get to know you for they, then they'll tell you what they like. But you, you, you'll hear about their kids, you'll hear about the job, the work, maybe somebody they don't even like. You might even hear about hunting, you get around me. Or food. Comes out every sermon, doesn't it? Yeah, I can't help it. I used to like it, now I love it, amen. But from your heart, your mouth speaks. That's why when the Holy Ghost comes in. That's why on the day of Pentecost, 120 were filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues, and the Spirit gave them utterance. What did they say when they were speaking in other tongues? The wonderful works of God. James says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Amazing when God fills you with his Spirit, the Creator that said, said, let there be light, and there was light, that he starts speaking through you through his Spirit, and guess what he's doing? He's bringing life. Life. He starts speaking into your tomorrow. That's why when you feel led to pray in the spirit, whether you're at home or here, you ought to do it. If you're here and it's not to be interpreted, you ought to do it quietly, the Bible says. 
but let it be. Don't quench the spirit. I just feel like talking about this for a minute. If God quickens you to get up in the middle of the night to pray, get up in the middle of the night and pray. Learn to be a quick responder to God's spirit. One of these days, because there is going to be a call to everyone that he's filled with his spirit and washed in his blood. You don't want to be holding on to something down here. You don't want to be so far removed that you, you've let the, another parallel, you let the fuel out of the lamp. You've burned all the fuel on the lamp. You want to make sure you stay full. Church is a filling station. It's where you get renewed. You get perspective. You get the word. There's an atmosphere that's created for the spirit of God to be poured into you, around you, and on you. How many know he can put you back and say, I need to be right with God? That's why the devil doesn't want you going to church because he knows if he can get the spirit of the Lord to burn out of you to where you're running on empty. It's going to be like your car. Don't stop at a gas station for the next three months. You'll be walking everywhere. I don't care if you got a 302, 400 horsepower, it doesn't matter. If you don't have any fuel, it's not going to go anywhere. Doesn't matter how much faith you have, you gotta get refueled. You gotta be in connection to him. You've gotta be in connection to God, amen. How many know the Holy Ghost? The Bible says the renewing of the mind, the renewing of the Holy Ghost. I'm gonna say it, then I'm gonna move on. We've gotta make sure that we are in we are in rapture ready mode all the time. I wanna be quickened by his spirit. I wanna be a responder to what he's saying because one of these days he's gonna send out a call and I wanna respond. Somebody shout respond. Oh, clap your hands and praise him, everybody. Respond to the call of God. Somebody say amen. So he's coming. It's going to be a party. It's going to be the trumpet's going to sound. He, God himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout. He's going to shout himself. You know why? Because he's happy to get married to you. The fulfillment of redemption. The, 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 the redemption has been fulfilled. Grace dispensation will have been ended what started, what started at Calvary, a new dispensation, is going to be ended over that 2,000, around 2,000 plus year period of time. All of that, for the generations that have come to the Lord, it's going to be over. The door's going to be shut. Dispensation is over. The next thing's going to be the judgment. But when he comes after his bride, everybody shout, me. Oh, when he comes after his bride, he's excited. I couldn't wait to get married. I didn't have butterflies in my stomach. I couldn't wait to get married. 19 years. 19 years we've been married. Marrying my best friend. There's a relationship. God looks forward to being married to you. Collaboratively. Watch this. Individually, we are sons to him. Collaboratively, we are the bride to him. Everybody say, we are the bride. I am a son. That's how you understand scripture. When you pray individually, you say, our father, because we're sons. But when you are together, he's going to present to himself a bride. Oh, buddy, isn't she beautiful? She's gorgeous. He, he loves her so much that the Bible says he's going to present her to himself. A glorious church. 
without spot, without wrinkle, came to the Lord dirty. I came to Jesus weary, worn, and sad, but he took my sins away came broken but he put it together he she she came was messed up but he turned her around she she wasn't come on she wasn't she wasn't beautiful to begin with she had some mess in her life but when he got a hold of her he he gave her everything come on Esther he gave her everything he she needed to beautify her so when she presents herself to him he said there's nobody else I want to be in eternity with me do you believe that Oh, watch this. It goes on. It says, verse 9, Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and both bad. My lands. Were there any good ones that he picked out in here tonight? Were you all bad? He said, I want you to invite everybody. I don't care where they've been, what they've done. Bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. He just showed up. He just showed up. And he said unto him, friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. There's a difference between being called and being chosen. Many have been invited, but he's gonna choose the one that chooses to live the life that he wants him to live. It's not good enough to hear the word. You gotta be a doer of the word. It's not good enough to say, hey, you've been invited to heaven, but you've got to live the life he told you how to prepare to get there. Revelation 19, let's look and see what it says. Revelation 19. This is, this is talking on the same point. Revelation 19 and verse seven. Amen. I want to make it, don't you? Let us be. Oh, look at your neighbor and smile. Show them your pearly whites. Let us be glad and what? Oh, rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the lamb is come. And his wife showed up. And his wife went there however she wanted to. No. And his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. The Bible says to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen. She was given the garment. She was told what to wear. She was handed something to cover up. Isn't it amazing that when the king showed up to see all the guests at the wedding, that when he walked out there, he saw one man that didn't have on a wedding garment? Did you notice he didn't see who was bad or good? He could only see if the garment was on or not. You know what that means? When you came to Jesus, bad or whatever, level bad or what level good, what mattered was, have your sins been covered by the blood? We are buried with him by baptism. We've been baptized into Christ. Galatians 3.27 says, let's put it up here. Galatians 3 and 27. 
Look what it says. Galatians 3, 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that I came to Jesus and he chose me. He called me to repentance. And I said, I don't want to be a sinner. I don't want to live that life anymore. He said, well, I've got a plan for you. You can go down in my name and when you come up, everything's going to be washed away because of my blood. And guess what? Not only am I going to wash away the past, I'm going to give you righteousness. I'm going to give you a desire to do better. I'm going to give you a desire to stop cussing. I'm going to give you a desire to walk away from addiction. You know what that word is? It's called grace. By grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. I come to tell you by grace I'm here. It's not because of pedigree. It's because he gave me grace to live holy. Every single person in this building, you were born a sinner. But one day you said, I'm tired of sinning. I'm tired of guilt and shame. I want to be changed. And you asked God to forgive you and he did. I'm here glad the Lord forgave you. He said, here, I've got something for you to wear. It's called righteousness. And some of you that are sitting in this room, including all of us, could say, I'm better than I was. I'm living a life better than I ever thought I could. I never, did, I never could get away from that but God. Amen. I don't think the way I used to think. Aren't you glad he changed your stinking thinking? He, he changed the way you used to think. Come on. He took the hate out, the bitterness out. Oh, I wish somebody jumped to your feet and preached with me right now. I'm talking about being saved. God saved me from who I used to be. Let's all stand. It's a biblical parallel. And I've come to understand here tonight that not only does God save the sinner, he also saves the saint. What about the person raised on the pews of the church? What, 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 about, what, are, what about us preacher's kids? What about us saints' kids? Sunday school teachers' children that weren't raised out there. Guess what? We all had to be saved too. Knew better and did it anyhow. Went wayward. All we like sheep have gone astray. Every man turning to his own lust. How I many know raised in the church or not? We still had sin that we had to get fixed. Everybody. I shout everybody has to be saved. Got to come to an altar of repentance and the Lord draws you to him. Just because he draws you to him doesn't mean he forces you to live for him. That moment is a choice. And to think that God looked out on the brink of time in the pitch darkness of eternity prior to creation and somehow in the midst of the darkness he saw me he saw me being his bride he saw a church that would be glorious in its apparel righteous and pure Adam you sin but sin's not final in the book of in the eyes of God he has a redemptive plan to bring you back how many believe that he has a plan to bring you back. So failure is not final in the eyes of God. And what makes it so spectacular is not your perfection. It's your perfecting.
that you're facing toward him. And I was a mess, but now he's putting me together. And every day I'm striving to be better, to be ready. The church hath made herself ready. I want you to put Acts 2, 38 there. We're going we're gonna, to 37, 38, 39, and verse 40. How do I get ready? I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I'll never forget our first wedding at the Glen Ferris Apostolic Church, Home Missions Church. My dad planted back in 1990. There was a couple getting ready to get married, and I was 12 years old. I was outside. We didn't have a paved parking lot like they do now. It was this black soot, gravel type of stuff. I was playing basketball out in the church parking lot just before church. I probably had my tongue hanging out like Michael Jordan, you know. Everybody had their tongue hanging out when I was a boy playing basketball. We was trying to jump from the foul line on a six-foot rim. All of a sudden, here came the groom out for the wedding. He started playing basketball with me. Took his tie off, took his jacket. I was 12 years old. I'm like, this is cool. One of these days I can get married. I can play basketball right before I get wood. They came down and hollered his name. I think it was Greg. Greg's time. He said, I got to go. I'm standing there bouncing the basketball. He went through the door. I thought, I better go clean up. I'm a mess. You can't, listen, you can't hardly get that stuff off of you. I was an absolute mess. I went in and tried to wash my hands. I, I was sweaty. My shirt was sticking to me. Went in, they did the wedding, they went on. And even at 12 years old, I knew it wasn't right. I said to myself, he should have been in there getting ready for that wedding. His wife's going to be mad at him. I understood that at 12. <laughs> Still thought it was cool. You know, I wonder sometimes the Lord looks out of heaven, we're down here in a mess, you know. He, he, all the signs, he's coming. Bridegroom cometh! The bridegroom cometh. The bridegroom cometh. Come on. I stand at the ocean last night. Went down for a graduation for Lakin from Rebecca Academy. We went out to the beach. I'm standing on the ocean and those waves are five to eight foot tall. But that's, they've been a lot. You could see where the piers have been wrecked by the hurricanes. And it hit me as I'm standing there watching one wave after another. The sea will be roaring. The bridegroom cometh. Preacher, don't talk like that. It's a warning from God. He's letting you know he's on the way. He's already making way. Come on. He's already left. He's on his way. That's what he's saying. That's, that's the topology of it. Is he's, it's, it's in motion. When you hear these things, know that the end is near. When is the sign of thy coming? Pestilence in the land. We're still dealing with it. I need to move on. And he looks down and we got dirt in our lives and dirt in our homes, and dirt on our garment. We're just playing games, not, not serious, not thinking, not, not looking. Had he thought about the coming of the Lord? And you don't have to admit to it, but there's a lot of people who haven't thought about the coming of the Lord since they got back to normal. Don't think about it. Think about church on Sunday, but not the coming of the Lord. We think about, oh, I should be reading my Bible instead of I want, to, I want to please him. You know, every time I look at the scripture, 
Oh, I shouldn't have that in my life. I need a rag or something. I don't want him to be ashamed of me. Now you got cell phones. God looking out of heaven I'm dirty when he's given me everything I need to be clean and I want to stay clean how many know you can stay clean don't let anybody lie to you and say you can't and if you fall get back up and just clean yourself off even the prodigal got up and started cleaning himself off said I think I'll go to my father he gives you everything you need to get clean and I look at this Acts 2 37 and when they heard this, everybody say the word. They were pricked in their heart. <laughs> Said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? That's what the gospel will do. We got to preach the gospel for the geo. Because the gospel being preached will bring a what shall we do from the congregation. Then Peter said unto them, repent or turn from your sin turn from your sinful ways and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ why? for the remission of sins for the washing away the blotting out the removal of everybody say the removal of washing it away cleaning the garment cleaning you up when you come up out there it's as if you're a newborn baby never made a mistake pure Unwrinkled, unspotted skin, just a brand new person. Man, nobody can do that for you except God. Watch what he said. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hey, what is that for? To be quickened, to respond, to let it, let it, that born again nature that reaches for the things of God. And he goes on and says, For the promises unto you and to your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He's going to call people from everywhere. But it's up to you to respond. Look at your neighbor and say, Respond. Respond. Don't quench what he's doing. Respond. He goes on, verse 40, And with many other words, Sounds like me when I'm giving an altar call, doesn't it? And with many other words that he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves. Save yourselves from this untoward or rebellious generation. I can't save you. There is a responsibility that's been laid in your hands for you to save yourselves. You want to see an impact in your family? Start with you. You want to see an impact in the community? Start with you. Everybody say, save yourselves. Paul said, I die daily. He said, I keep myself, my body in a subjection lest I who have preached to others myself become a castaway. He said, if I'm going to make a difference, I've got to be saved. I want to be right with God. You know what I've learned? You don't have to pray fancy to get God's attention. You don't have to speak in the King James Version language. You don't have to talk Hebrew. 
You don't even have to talk in tongues to get his attention. He just wants you to be real. It's me. I'm coming to you. I know you're calling me. And I want to be right. I want to be ready. Lord, I surrender myself to you today. Oh, God, I love you. I'm asking you to save me and forgive me. I don't want to be a sinner. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss the rapture. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll do it, oh, God. But here I am. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to pray all over this building and start telling the Lord, I know you're real and I know you're here. That's it. All over the building, won't you find a place to pray? You can come here, but I want you to respond. I want you to obey what the Spirit of the Lord is telling you to do. Come on, there's an old-fashioned quickening of the Spirit. There's conviction. God, I want to be ready. I don't want to miss it. He's not only going to give you forgiveness, He's going to give you grace to live it. He's going to cover you in His righteousness. For my righteousness is as filthy rags. I can't live good enough myself. I need his ability to live right. Come on, that's what he's going to give you. He's going to give you grace. In the name of Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.